0: I was in Texas when my wife told me that our marriage was over. I was working at the Texas Renaissance Festival doing a sword dueling booth. And this was a this was one of the worst moments of my life. Not so much because of what she said. Of course that played a lot into it, but it was the beginning of my recognition that I was a drug addict, and one of her reasons for wanting to split with me was the amount of drugs that I used. And one of the things I said to her was, you use as many drugs as I do. And she said something back to me that just floored me. She said, I haven't touched them since you left. And I had heard of that. I have heard, uh, I had heard of drug buddies and people who got uh, high when they were around the real addict. And it was just a way that they stayed together. And the moment that I was gone, she had no need to use drugs. And that was an emotional blow that I was not ready for. I did become suicidal at that moment. I did go to Walmart looking for bullets for my gun. And it just so happens that that day, they were out of the bullet that I needed for my gun, which was odd, and I consider now, looking back, pretty divine intervention, because I had a gun that needed the most popular round in the world. And so it's an assumption that a Walmart in Texas would have that round, but they didn't, and I'm still here. I lost custody of our daughter because of my drug use. I did get it back. But I also remember driving home from the mediator who had made it very clear that my custody would be conditional on my sobriety. And at that point, as much pain and suffering as I was going through and as much damage as I was causing, I wasn't ready to stop. But on that drive home and home was in my parents' house. I was 28 years old living in my parents' house. I realized that I had become my biological father, who I had only met once at eight months old in a bar, that something in my life was more important than my own child. That began my trip to rock bottom and my divorce. And my experience through divorce, as I'll elaborate on as my guests and I today are talking, taught me how to work with dads and families that are going through divorce. My show today is focused on dads going through divorce, primarily for two reasons. Number one, I don't think it's fair for me to talk about divorce from a woman's perspective. And number two, I am a divorce dad. And number three, I have a very, very dear friend who's going through a hellacious divorce right now, and he's been fighting for custody of his son. My guest today is Skip Lackey, and I've known Skip for a long time, and he's a beautiful, beautiful man. And I've watched him go through his divorce in the past year. And I watched a thing that he did on Facebook, helping other people process things while he was processing the end of his marriage and processing being a good daddy to his two kids. So today my guest is Skip Lackey and today's show is titled Dad's Divorce and Depression. This is Beyond Risk and Back. I am a teacher, teen and parent coach, internationally known trainer. I own and run a residential treatment center for teens. And best of all, I am a happy father, stepfather and husband. Welcome to another episode of Beyond Risk and Back brought to you by Mental Health News Radio and Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center. I am your host, Aaron Huey. Beyond Risk and Back is designed for parents, clinicians, and teachers looking for support to guide the teens they care for to move forward from risky behaviors into real freedom and responsibility. Now, let's help each other get these kids back from Beyond Risk. Skip, thank you very much for joining me today. I'm so glad we got reacquainted. It's been a long time uh, since you and I last had a talk. In fact, the last time you and I
1: talked, you were married. (laughs) Yes, I was, Aaron. (laughs) Thanks for, for having me on the show and allowing me to share my perspective uh, of this topic today. Well, your
0: perspective, I've not seen a man deal with his divorce using your perspective. And you bounced and you hit hard, but you bounced harder. And I watched from afar. I watched your videos. I don't know if they were just on Facebook. You posted these on YouTube as well.
1: Well, I, you know, I'm in the process. It was 101 videos that came up for me that I did. It was called 101 Days of Healing. And I'm in the process of slowly getting them up to YouTube, but they're not there yet. Maybe a number of them will be up by the time the show comes out
0: that's fantastic I hope so because I think I feel and knowing you and knowing the work that you've done I know these are going to help guys it it, it was it was a tremendous process to watch you go through you were so raw and you were so authentic and you were so vulnerable and brutally honest with what was going on with you and those were attributes that I really feel are important to men in this That, that there's a lot of denial in divorce there's a lot of blame it's easy to focus on the, quote, end quote, culprit, but you didn't I- indulge in that. You you talked about things that hurt you, and you talked about her, but your focus was on your healing from day one, and I was I was deeply moved
1: by your process, and I want other men to have it. Well, you know, I appreciate that, Aaron, and it was something that I fell into, uh, and I want to say a couple things. First off, you sharing what you shared at the beginning and being vulnerable to actually be able to go back and own your behavior when you were talking about, you know, your wife calling you and saying, I want a divorce and everything that went through that, I think is the same thing that drove me at that time to do these 101 videos because meditation is a huge part of my life. And, you know, I I teach personal growth seminars, I teach leadership seminars, and my focus in life is on really building emotional intelligence and sharing that. Right now in the workplace, because I believe it's something that if we had more healthier workplaces, then it would trickle down and people's lives would be healthier if they were happier at work. So I do a lot of corporate work really teaching leaders, business owners on how they can really create a culture of kindness and a culture of emotional intelligence and the, the ROI that that actually creates the return on investment by doing that. But just back to the 101 Days of Healing You know, I was, I was meditating in the midst of all this pain and the truth of going, okay, this divorce is really going to happen. And I didn't want the divorce at all. I kind of felt it coming, but nothing really happened in our marriage that should have led to divorce that you would think of. But my now ex-wife was committed to being divorced. So there was nothing I really could do at that point. So I surrendered to it and one day when I was meditating, I was in the middle of the meditation and it came up for me that I was supposed to document this so that other people could realize that they didn't have to suffer in silence and they didn't have to go through, you know, as we talked about hitting rock bottom. I interviewed you for one of my radio programs a long time ago and our subject was about hitting rock bottom. I don't know if you remember that, I do. but one of the things that it stuck with me when I was doing that interview with you is you said something to me that, you know, in hindsight is one of the reasons why I did what I did, which was you said, when my question was, you have to hit rock bottom. And you were like, absolutely not. And I was like, whoa, okay, this was a new concept. Because in the past, when I went through emotional upheaval, the only way that I could bounce was by hitting rock bottom. And so many men and women do this. And you said something, raise the floor to meet, where yourself, where you're at right there. And don't go any further down. Just raise the bottom up to meet you and bounce off of that. It always stuck with me, Aaron. And so what I did was I said, what are the behaviors that I can do and how can I raise my floor so that I don't have to sink any lower? Because I'd had a a split from an earlier relationship in my 30s. I'm in my mid-50s now. And I did hit rock bottom. I ended up on the floor of my apartment, two weeks not eating, not changing my clothes, not showering, not moving, not being able to move off the floor. And I, I'm not being facetious when I say I didn't move for two weeks and I went into a deep depression around this breakup because I lost myself. My idea was in my meditation is document this so that other people, as I said, would not have to suffer in silence because so often Men and women, it's not just men that do this, but we just go into our, you know, our sad, depressed, scary place, arcade, whatever you want to call it. And we process in there by ourselves. And those of us who talk about our process, which is me, very quickly wear our friends out and our friends don't want to hear about it. You know, there's a a
0: couple things that that I want to touch on that you brought up in that. Number one, first and foremost, for, for men and women who are listening, for professionals who are working with uh, counseling people or going through this or working with kids whose parents are going through this. The reoccurring theme that I'm seeing in every conversation I have with an expert is trauma takes place in isolation and healing takes place in community. That We find this place. You're on the floor of your apartment and you're alone. You haven't eaten and you're sinking a depression. I'm sitting in a, a camper in Texas and I have no contact with any family member. And this aloneness. And I want to say I think we are past the time where men get to use the excuse by saying, well, I was never taught how to communicate. Our whole world is based on communication right now. And rather than, you know, as in your videos, and rather than taking those walks on your 101 days of healing, you took a walk, but you connected with the community, albeit online and through video and through teaching. But there are people like you and I who, process through talking, who process through teaching, who process through connection. And so I'm not going to allow men purchase on, I wasn't taught how to communicate. This world is a world of communication now. It is the sole focus of the internet, communicating information, communicating with people. So I'm removing that excuse from men and saying, just get over it. The second piece that I want to talk about is this rock-bottom piece, because with so many of these conversations, the idea that you have to hit rock-bottom, there are people who feel that you do, and I do believe that you have to hit a rock-bottom, but then you get to decide where rock-bottom is. You can raise the floor, and at some point, you can just say, I'm done with this. This doesn't feel good, and I know where this goes. So often do we ignore the truth, that somehow wallowing in our own misery and isolating and and eating a bag of chips and some other comfort food while we're in front of Game of Thrones and instead of connecting with people and saying, hey man, how, how's it going there, bud? No, it's pretty crappy today. I feel pretty low. This divorce really has me by the uh, by the mommy daddies today, and and I need some support. That's why I just like to go hang out, go for a walk, hit the gym, something. But I need another guy by my side right now, even if it's just hanging out watching a sports game. I need to be with someone. This is um, this rock bottom, this, this communication and this community piece. It's all it's all
1: tied up when we're going through a divorce. Well, you just said it is to reach out to some friends. Now, I would say I will say this. There were friends that I thought would be there for me that weren't. And there were other people that really stepped up and stepped out and said, hey, you know what, Skip, you don't have to go through this alone. If you need an ear and they all said, I've been through this, I'm here. It was a lot of my fringe friends that I actually, both men and some women too actually stepped up, interestingly enough, to just say, I'm here as an ear. And they would just listen and their idea was, I'm on team skip and I want to help you. So what can I do to help you? And I realized that I had cultivated a bit of that, but that's open to everybody and reach out to people and say, Hey, man, I need an ear because I found myself and I don't really drink. I socially will have a a drink now and then. But I found myself every once in a while going to a sports bar just to be in community. And I said really quickly, "Ooh, I have to stop this. I have to stop this. I have to find some behaviors that will be more supportive where I'm not dependent on saying, what am I feeling that I don't want to feel? And using, like you talked about, a substance to change my physiology or change my mental state to not feel. And you and I have talked about this. And I think this is where a big part of the heart of addiction can come from is I'm feeling something. I don't want to feel it. So I do this not to feel that. And before I know it, that behavior then becomes what runs my show. And I refuse because I understand that. I refuse to do that. So I got my body moving. I started meditating. I started the videos and that was taking up. If you find yourself
0: in the gym, a couple things are going to happen. You're going to feel better, you're going to look better, you're going to think better, and you're going to act better because that's what happens when we attack our physiology. Number two, the community not being alone, not isolating, not indulging in the hurt and pain and suffering that's going on. But now, Skip, you've brought in the M word, and I'm telling you, if you want me sitting in my backyard with my legs crisscrossed upside down with my fingers in some weird thing chanting I'm telling you that ain't going to work for me, so you got to be clear <laughs> what you mean by meditation.
1: Okay, well, you know, meditation is a lot of different things, and I've been meditating since I was 11 years old, so I have a pretty deep practice in all kinds of different modalities. Now, I want to say this to guys out there. Listen, you don't have to have your legs in a pretzel chanting Om <laughs> like we think for sure. There are a lot of people that aren't going to do it, men and women, and So meditation, and if you look at it, I have a whole website called meditationprescription.com where I take the mystique out of the idea of meditating. And a lot of people go, wow, you know, I sat down one time and I closed my eyes and I got quiet and, and I couldn't slow down my monkey mind and I was just chattering along internally. And, you know, that's a big part of it is how do we quiet that really overly active mind. So meditation can take place in the form and you can do it anywhere. Even if it's one minute, there's benefit to it that will really helping your physiology. Meditation slows down your, your heart rate. It reduces anger. It actually brings your awareness more to your prefrontal cortex in the front of your brain, which allows for self regulation and so all you have to do is focus on your breath. So you wait a and second. So, you're, you're talking about calming the nervous system. Absolutely. So, so very, that,
0: that makes so much sense because here I've got this ex and maybe she's ghosted me or emotionally ghosted. And for people who don't know the term ghosted, that means that one day they just vanish. Like, they're gone, and you don't know why they won't communicate. And from what I understand about Skip, he feels at a certain level emotionally ghosted. She was done. He wasn't. He doesn't know why she didn't seem to be willing as far as Skip's. And I, and I want to maintain perception that Skip's perception is... <laughs> Yeah, that she didn't seem willing to really go in and address what changed, why this has happened, where she's going with this, that she was just done. And certainly that ability to end things is a very masculine trait. I'm not saying women don't have it, that every woman has a masculine side, but it sounds to me, for all intent and purpose, that you felt emotionally ghosted that that left you to have a billion thoughts and ideas. Did she do this? Did I do that? Does she think I did this? Am I thinking? And that's bin deregulates us and then our heartbeat follows and then we're releasing cortisol because now we're stressed based on a thought we had, based on a feeling we had, based on some truth that we concocted because we can't figure out, we have no connection and communication. So you're talking about bringing my nervous system back into place so I'm not in survival mode, my body's not dumping cortisol and I can relax, I can fall
1: asleep at night, I can focus on my work. That's what you're talking about when you say meditate. Well, absolutely. I mean, you just my brain now is kind of going, Okay, you brought up the the whole concept of cortisol and what happens in your what's called your HPA axis gets fired off. You go into fight or flight, especially around a divorce or a trauma, and your hypothalamus starts pumping different cortisol, adrenaline, a neoepinephrine and all of these uh, chemicals in our body which affects your pituitary, which is the P in the HPA axis, which then is the thing that fires off all your hormonal cascade and then your adrenals get fired off. So what happens is you start getting angry, you get depressed, you get rageful, you get triggered, you can't calm your nervous system. And so I'm, I teach this. I'm aware of this. So meditation became a huge part. And I mean, there were days where I had to wake up in the middle of the night. Well, I, I say wake up. I was awake. I couldn't sleep. My brain was moving a million miles an hour, and I had to sit up in bed, put my back against the wall, or get on the floor, or stand up, or whatever, and really just breathe and focus on my breathing for 30 minutes, maybe, for me to be able to quiet my nervous system, to then be able to go to sleep so I could wake up the next day and actually function with my kids or my job and do that. And um, so it's a fantastic skill to have. And for everyone out there, just really quickly, all you have to do is close your eyes and focus all of your attention on your breath as you breathe in through the nose and exhale through your mouth. Just focus the attention, breathe in and exhale. And just allow yourself to place all of your attention on your breath. And as you do that, You will start your your nervous system will start to quiet because your brain will start to quiet down and you'll find it wandering. And then you stop and say, okay look, my my mind's wandering and then place your attention back on your breath. And then as you exhale so that you then can come into self-regulation, which is part of developing emotional intelligence so that you don't get triggered and this is goes for men and women and Aaron you said something just a few minutes ago when you were talking about you know women and this idea of ghosting and and just i found out during this divorce that upwards of 80% of all divorces past a certain amount of years of marriage are initiated by women that in general men are much happier in relationships than women are and a hormonal uh, and i'm not saying it's all hormones but i was told by a An OBGYN, who's a really good friend of mine, when I told her about this, she said, oh, how old is she? What is she, 47, 48? I went, yeah, that's exactly how old she is. How did you know that? And she said, well, there's a syndrome called walk away wife that happens where 80 to 85 percent of all marriages fall apart during women in menopause. And that there's a a deregulation of hormones where it uh, pulls happiness away. And then there's this dynamic that happens in relationships where women start to think it's the man, everything bothers them. And then a couple years later, they go, oh, my gosh, what did I do? I blew up my marriage. And I'd never heard of this.
0: This is, this is news to me, and it makes me want to run into my current wife and make sure she's 49 for real. This is amazing. This is not information I've had before. No.
1: That, and, that's incredible. And so, yeah, and so the more and more, that was one of the things that, facilitated the 101 Days of Healing with the videos was for me to go, because like you said, at one point it was just over. There was no emotional – her wall came down. It was done. And I'm, again, as you said earlier, Aaron, so elegantly, this is my perception. My ex is a beautiful being. She's going through what she's going through, and it, and it really pisses her off when I say, I don't understand why we ended up divorcing because that was – that's my family of origin pattern. Sure. And I there's stay gotta, together.
0: There's got to be a, that level of belief, uh, especially on, uh, on the feminine aspects part, that the, the masculine is just clueless. So we're complacent. And and certainly, and I say that because that's, that's a that's also a common belief if we've been married for, you know, a certain length of time and we think, oh, so this is what I have to do to have a successful marriage because for all I can see, this is going great. But she's got desires that aren't being fulfilled. She's got dreams that aren't being fulfilled. But I truly believe that women fall in love with men's potential, not necessarily the man themselves, but but that women have an innate ability to look at a man and say, that's a guy who can change the world. And because of this, and that's that's where the whole bad boy, like like being attracted to the bad boy, is the amount of energy they possess and the amount of life force energy that they possess. And when a man becomes complacent, maybe he's getting tired in his job and his his body starts to have some makes and pains so he's not as adventurous as he used to be, and he starts getting... You know, into that space where he's hitting stride versus that, that constant upward push that she's saying, hmm, maybe it's not. And, and let's be honest, some men can be assholes, men can have affairs, men can be completely incommunicado emotionally because mm-hmm. they weren't shown how to be mm-hmm. it. So I'm not trying to excuse anything, but I'm coming back to this you know, I'm bringing this back around because so far we've hit having a community, getting our physiology involved. And now we've talked about quieting the mind, this meditative piece, regulating our nervous system. And I promise all the listeners, we will be talking about kids and how divorce can create kids at risk, but better how to avoid at-risk behaviors in kids by how we parent when we're going through a divorce. But you've brought in this emotional intelligence through regulating the mind. And now you're bringing up the next topic is this brutal truth. And part of the brutal truth is men taking this moment to actually consider the origins of this failed marriage. And that's in the self, that's in the family. You said family of origin. We're going to discuss that. But there's a brutal honesty that if we're, and and brutal honesty works two ways. It's the, you can call it self-blame. I got to look at myself. I got to look at myself. Yes, you do, but you've also got to look at what you were trained to do as an adult by being a child and being raised or not raised by certain family members. By the, the this is this is very real this family of origin. So explain family of origin, explain the the brutal truth of what we were raised with and how it affects our marriage. I want to say before you do that I believe in my heart, every relationship we are in is an opportunity to reconcile the prime relationship, the primary relationship, which is with our parents or not with our parents because we're adopted, because there's a divorce and a missing parent, something like that. You, and expressing brutal truth, you have a missing parent. And so tell me about your family of origin and how it affected
1: your marriage. The family of origin, the concept of family of origin patterns really looks at saying if I go back and I'm in pure self-awareness, which is an emotional intelligence skill, one of the most important, is to just be in awareness. And you mentioned self-blame. We can beat ourselves up or we can say, look, this is what was true for me. This is my perception of it. And so when we start to own that, you know, when you mentioned that we're trying to heal relationships with our parents. Yes. And more importantly, that's a reflection of healing a relationship with ourself and what that looks like. So the family of origin pattern is to look back and say, hey, let's look at mom and what mom's behaviors were and what her emotional state was and how she was raised by her parents. And let's look at dad and his emotional state, his behaviors, how he was raised by his parents and then the dynamic that got created in their marriage that I learned because, you know, there's this thing about brainwave speeds up until you're about age 12, the end of your 12th year, your brainwave speeds are so slow. You're basically in a trance, in a hypnotic trance. So everything that you saw, heard, you know, experienced, smelled, taste, everything goes into your unconscious and it creates this deep unconscious level of, I want to say, it's not necessarily true, a cesspool of you know, confusing emotions and situations that then as an adult, you're trying to make sense of. And the older I get, the more I realize that my behaviors that are being triggered that are coming out are very much like my father's. And my father had a really good upbringing, but he was an angry man. My dad was killed when I was 23 in a Delta plane crash. So I had dealt with a really angry father who was in and out of the relationship with my mother. And so the dynamic was my dad would leave for long periods of time and then he would come back. And there was this dynamic that my parents would fight and they would stay together though. And they never divorced, although they were on the verge of it a number of times, but it always got worked out. That's my family of origin pattern. But because of that, I've been able to recognize I have some abandonment issues and I have some issues with women that I will do whatever I need to do to appease them and be liked so 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 you're
0: you're offering two components to family of origin you are either going to repeat a pattern or you're going to 180 degree the pattern you're going to try to do the opposite of what was done to try to Prove that you're different, prove that you can, you can overcome a pattern stuff. My wife has a brilliant saying that it's called 180 degrees of sick is still sick. So if our, if our reaction to our parenting, to our family of origin dynamic is pure compensation in 180 degrees the other way, uh, I mean, it's, it's, could still be sick. 180 degrees of sick is still sick. So somewhere in the middle is the happy ground of, I'm having these feelings of abandonment. I try to work everything out. You know, somewhere in the middle, I got to know it's not about me it is over, I am okay being alone, and I'm going to try to put this back together because I still see value in a relationship with this person, whether it's as a parenting partner or just as a friend because we've shared so many deep and darks together. So I see you talking about two different compensations. I'm going to do the same thing and repeat the pattern, or I'm going to completely oppose the
1: pattern. Neither of them sound that healthy. Well, you can have major blind spots if you and like you said, I what uh, what your Christine talks about, I call it a default choice, which is I'm never going to be like my dad was. So I'm going to go in this direction because I'm not doing that. And then we get down that path and all of a sudden we go, oh, crap. Why am I doing this? I'm doing why? Oh, it's because I chose to put up a wall and say, I'm not going in that direction because that's how I was raised. And that was. That hurt me. And right. so you're being pushed in a direction by saying, I'm not going in that direction. So you make these default choices and you're truly not at 100 percent choice. Right. Um. Yeah. Right. So it's um, again, it's a family of origin pattern. So with my with my children and me being a father, I felt that my children at the time were when we divorced were 11 and seven. So they're still pretty young and they're in that age where before self-consciousness kicks in. So I said to myself, I need to be as healthy as I possibly can right now so that my kids don't get that programming that I got from my parents in the situation that happened. So I started focusing on putting my attention on the kids and developing as good a relationship as I could with their mother. And we got into a pretty good, very quickly, a co-parenting Dynamic that was working, but I had no relationship with her other than co-parenting and I had to be okay with that. I tried to be friends. That's not what she wanted, you know, to be kind and caring. It's like, nope, there's no relationship, but we can be effective co-parents. And I think for me as a dad, I hung my hat on the idea of my children will know that they are unconditionally loved and there's nothing that they could ever do that would push me away. And that they could understand that I was always there for them if they had a question or a problem. And that's still a little bit of a challenge, you know, because I'm having to deal with my stuff as they deal with theirs. They have really wonderfully been able to navigate this and be okay with everything because mom and I don't talk bad about them to each other. You know, we you know, as things show up, we mention certain aspects, but it's not trying to rip the other parent. We don't send messages through each other. Through the kids, we communicate on text and by email, which tends to be pretty cut and dry. But my thing is, I want my children to know that they are unconditionally loved. And I tell them every day how much I love them and how much they mean to me. We've been able to, again, I put my body in motion with them, and I take them on camping trips and little adventures here and there. We've put Gosh, I put over 5000 miles on the car this summer, taking them different places and doing things with them so that we could have fun and create this environment where my kids and I have, you know, have our own little family unit as opposed to what it was before with mom. It's been very successful in that way. And my children know that they're loved to me that's unbelievably important.
0: So let's so let's go over some of the rules. So I've written them down as you're talking them, so I want to reiterate them. I also want to say that when I got divorced, my ex made it very clear that she wanted to co-parent, that we had a lot of work to do. I was in total agreement partly because uh at the time I was very I was in deep desperation around abandonment. And it was very clear to me, and with my parents' support as well, the importance of us working together for the health of our daughter. And my ex did a wonderful job. We had our ups and downs. We had our intimate moments and our aggressive moments. We had our tears, and we had our hoarse voices from shouting at each other throughout the years as she went to go live her life. And I began to establish mine as separate parents. And my daughter has had ups and downs from it. And everything that you just listed is exactly what both my ex and I did. Number one, the unconditional love. That was the first thing you said is making sure she understood parents can't divorce children. They can divorce the other parent, but that doesn't mean that they're not loved by both. And that's clear. Now, how the other parent plays along with this, and I want to say this to men because we use their behavior, the behavior is our ex, we can use that as an excuse to be a shitty dad. And that part comes through reaction versus responding, right? That comes through, we're still bitter about what did or did not happen, what was or was not said. And so that means if we're still bitter around the kids and we're still going through that stuff and we're still dealing with our own crap in front of the kids, we're not self-regulated. So, Pretending for a moment that we're a man who's been brutally honest with himself, he's reached out to his own community, he's been focusing on his physiology, he's been meditating, which means he's learning how to quiet his mind, he's practicing it, and like you and I both demonstrated a vulnerability around what's going on, here's how I screwed up, here's how it didn't work for her, here's what she did, which hurt me, here's why I'm hurt about it. Now I can then look at the kid and say, you are unconditionally loved. Number two. You do not talk bad about the other parent to the children. I don't care how angry you are or how much they have hurt you. I will promise you and can unconditionally promise you, if you badmouth the other parent, the kid will gravitate towards that other parent just out of defense of their love for that parent. It's a primal love and there's nothing you can do about it. So talking bad about the other parent, will blow up in your face. Stop it, knock it off. Number three is you don't send messages through the kids. You do not communicate with the other parent through the kids. And I want to say messages include money. You do not give money to the kids to give to the other parent. I don't care if it's lunch money. I don't care if it's whatever. If you have to get a lawyer or something, if you got to do it person-to-person transfer, if there's a mediator who needs to handle the funds or the messages, do it. But do not send it through the kids because the kids will take on the role of the messenger, and that's a crappy role for kids. The last thing you said, which harkens back to the first thing we have to do, is body in motion. You become active with these kids. When they go to dad's house, they do something. Dad, if you're exhausted from work and you are feeling like there's a lot to do and now you've got the kids for the weekend... (laughs) You get out and you move with those kids. You go to the park. Being with dad means being active. It doesn't mean TV and video games. And dads, I know that's easy parenting. It's, it's copping out parenting though. You get active with those kids. You play board games at night. You read books, but during that day, that's the frisbee in the backyard or the park. It's, it's the, it's going to a sporting event with the kids. It's chopping wood and camping. It's do something, do something, become the active daddy. It is a powerful, powerful experience. And, and I skip you, without you and I speaking about that, you and I have followed the same set of rules. And I can tell you, if you maintain your course with your kids, that you'll have the relationship that I do with my daughter now. And my ex is that I have a very close relationship. My daughter and I
1: were very active together. Well, and let me share this. I also want to say something, Aaron, is, You know, you mentioned something about don't let the kids sit in front of the TV, play video games. I am guilty of that. You know, there's a certain amount of that that goes on, you know, as you're trying to figure out, especially with the different ages of the kids, it's hard. And I I don't want dads to think that there's not going to be a certain amount of time. There is. That's fair.
0: That's very, very fair.
1: certainly not the perfect parent by any means here, but... You know, my uh, this last weekend, as we record this, was around when the eclipse was, and my kids did not want to go. And I had campground figured out in the uh, totality zone, and I said, "No, we're going." <laughs> and it was it was pulling teeth to get them out the door. But once they got there, oh my god, they had such a good time, and they were screaming, "This is the best day of my life!" At the top of their lungs afterwards, you know, and and those little moments, you can, and. I, you can't trade those and that's, you know, that's the one of the gifts that dads do have is we're there to create that, that environment for kids to really uh, step outside the, the little proverbial box and do some things that they might not normally do and, and give them an opportunity to experience a little risk, you know, healthy risk and motivate them and inspire them. That's our, that's our job as fathers. And the older kids get, it's harder, you know, when they get to be that teenage years and they start pulling away. But I still think that's our, you know, you said something earlier, Aaron, about women see the possibility in men. And I'm just reading an article that said that what women are attracted to is not necessarily the bad boy image, but the idea of nonconformity. And the idea of nonconformity is what they find sexy And that men actually find that sexy in women. You would think that they would want somebody who would follow the rules, but that's an old sexist thinking. But they were saying that that it's overwhelmingly somebody who won't just, you know, tote the line and fall in and and sit in the box. They want somebody who's going to step outside and do things, you know, outside the box, think outside, talk outside. You talk about things that you might not normally experience things you know as opposed to what the norm is so when i read that i was like oh of course and right. that's kind of what life is about and about enjoying is about really being authentically yourself and what does that mean you know and, and
0: the only way for your kids to learn how to do that is by you modeling it for them i in working with the parents through our parent weekend at our facility i go back to the same mantra tell me one lecture that you remember That your parents gave you. Tell me one that changed your life. Tell me one that mattered enough that you can still tell me everything that was said in the lecture. And there's not a single parent that could be like, oh, this one time, but I can counter that by saying, tell me what you do because of what your parents did. And every parent has a thousand things. So if you want your kids to be physically active, then the routine of, of physiology first, the routine of activity is what you're looking for. And 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 I'm I'm wanting to throw in the thing of routines for dads because dads are good at routines. Now part of the routine can be outside the box. My daughter and I have a very a routine relationship, but, but our routine is doing things outside of the of each other's box and, and pressing each other's uh, levels and stuff like that. And I know that her attraction with her friends and her intimate friends has to do with people who are willing to step out of their own boxes and push new edges and new frontiers emotionally and physically. But... One of the routines that my daughter and I shared was the bedtime story. That was a constant for us, and it lasted much longer than I think most dads would assume it would because it became our a routine of connection. My daughter and I, you know, we talk about you know, don't sit down, computer games, video games, my daughter and I watched a lot of movies and a lot of TV together as well in the first couple years of my divorce. And one of the routines that I said about that is we also watched the making of each movie. So my daughter watched Braveheart at a very, very young age, the age that will probably horrify most people. But we also watched the making of and we discuss what it meant to be an actor or an editor or a, a costume designer or a set designer and a director. And we would review editing cuts. And so my daughter began to understand the art form behind the movie. And it wasn't just all these men having a war, that these were people who were paid to pretend. But that was ours. That belonged to us. And this is something that you have, when I have worked with dads. And I used to run a camp called Incredible Fathers and Sons. The kids would come up and the fathers would come up and I'd send the kids with one of my staff and send the boys with one of my staff. The first question I asked the dads at camp, we sat down around a fire because you have to be around a fire. And I said, what would you do differently if you were parenting by yourself? the tears the anger the frustration the i would i would box with my son and so i made sure that i had have a pair of boxing gloves in the car and i would wrestle with my son i would throw axes i would i would you know camp more i would do these types of things this is your opportunity to create the routine unique bond with your children that they get to look forward to at dad's house when they go with dad and that's an important piece and that's one of the benefits that as long as it's safe, and I love you use the term "healthy risk." I love that term. I adore Ooh. that term because that's what you get to do with your kids something healthy and something that's a little bit edgy that creates that energetic, nonconformist attitude or attraction for them by watching their old man do something a little out of the box. I, I say anything that makes my eyes, my wife's eyes roll, is a good thing because. I know that that's energy
1: for her. <laughs> that's funny. That's funny, Aaron, because it is true. It's so true. I'm very fortunate that my ex understands that the kids have a tendency to come to me when it's something that takes a little bit more risk. And she's gotten better about that, too. And I also want to, uh you know, the folks that are listening to say you and I obviously were lucky because we had the co-parenting that we did was with the support of our ex. And there are a lot of dads out there that don't have any relationship with their ex, or it's argumentative, it's really confrontational, and it's ugly. And I've heard those stories before. You talked about your friend that was going through hell and back in his divorce, and I've talked to other fathers, and all I can say is, oh my gosh, thank God I I don't have that kind of uh, ugliness going on in my uh, situation, but but know it's, you work. it's work. It's work to not yeah. have that go on too. Yes, yes, and 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 it can be like we were talking about the things that we're sharing, what we did, and how we really stepped up and said, "Look, I'm going to be this way." It allows the 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 feminine to actually go, "Okay, here's the masculine stepping in and doing sometimes what I hope they would do in the relationship, but maybe they didn't." But now they are because they're having to be the mom and the dad, you know, when when the children at your house. You know, there's nothing wrong with there being rules at dad's house and rules at mom's house and just saying, hey, you do that with your mother. We don't do that here or you don't do that with your mom. Well, some of that we do here unless there's an agreement, but that you're not going to do it at either house. You're not going to let the kids work against you. And. Part of that from, you know, as you go through a divorce or as you're starting to set up that dynamic is to be that person who is strong and yet flexible, who is open and yet vulnerable. A lot of people believe that, you know, screw them. I'm you know, you're not going to get your way. All of that does is create this ugly ugliness. And that's what our children learn. And that's when they start to push back against us and against the world. And they start to, you know, potentially use those mind-altering or physiology-altering uh, substances that get us not to feel what we're feeling because they're modeling what we're feeling. And when if we, we feel it, if, they feel it.
0: It's true. If we triangulate with our children and the other parent, you can expect, you can expect your children to try to split the two of you and go into a conquer and divide game. Triangulation is when you talk about one person to another person and you never have direct confrontation or connection with the the person you were talking about. You can't say it to your kids and not to your ex. Make sure your kid knows dad loves you. No matter what's being said over there, I love you. And I was fortunate not to have that. It sounds like you and your ex have have some agreements even on a soul level in place Kip, and that's
1: good yeah i i'm I feel very fortunate about that because i like like you i I hear these horror stories about you know parents that go through that really ugly time and maybe never i mean, I was talking to a friend of mine that her parents have been divorced for twenty twenty years. And said they can't even still be in the same room together. Uh, my my <laughs> my uh, I, I have some family members
0: who are who are like that, and and it's they're not my family members on my side; they're on my wife's side, and it's hard. It's hard to see that 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 forty forty four zero years later, the uh, there's still this blame. He ruined my life, and it's just not true. And and, and it's still being placed on the children's shoulders. And the children are too mature to take it anymore. And it really looks weak and and horrible.
1: Well, and you know what? I want to talk about this. One of the um, seminars that I teach, something called The Journey, and it really is about clearing out what we call old cell memories, which is when there's a trauma or a a really could be something that. From perception doesn't seem like it's that big of a deal, but it is to a child. And so that this part of you that's that young child that has grown up. And I don't know if, if you've ever felt like this, uh, Aaron, but sometimes I feel like, you know, even as a 50, soon to be 56 year old man that I, there's a part of me that's got this, this little kid that's been wounded that shows up periodically who's angry or hurt or sad or is just disappointed And in my adult behavior or a situation that goes on and I get triggered. Well, those cell memories are stored in our body at a very deep level. And sometimes we get triggered and we don't know why we're getting triggered, whether it be through anger, depression, fear, anxiety, panic can cause health issues. Because as we were talking earlier, your nervous system, which controls all the systems in your body can get way out of whack. And we have this workshop. Which is kind of how I met you in the beginning as that's somebody right, that that's right. had, you know, that had taken my workshop, I had also taken one of yours and was like, you've got to meet Aaron. Yep. And that's, we got together for lunch that time. That was before I even moved to Boulder and uh, realized that we're, we're kind of cut from the same cloth in a lot of different ways, but to be able to clear that out and to be able to own that behavior and clear out that cell memory where it doesn't trigger your unconscious, or your nervous system any longer, which has been a very powerful healing process. I've put over 15,000 people through that workshop over the years. And if you're listening to this and you're someone that is realizing that you're going through a very ugly divorce or a situation to where there are uh, either emotional or physical health issues that you'd like to address and look at and do some clearing on, There are workshops that you can find, some in North America, mostly in Europe, but it's called thejourney.com, and I've got one coming up here in in Colorado pretty soon in uh, October, and I don't know when the listeners are going to listen to it, but It's a powerful clearing process.
0: Skip, I've, I want to say to, to listeners, I've partaken in the journey. I've read Brandon's book and, you know, have, have seen you work with you and you and I have shared many more clients in, in our work than the one person who introduced us. So I want to make sure that listeners do know this is Skip's first talk with me. Our next talk is going to be about what Skip teaches to help clear out old trauma and old pattern behavior and condition behavior, how effective it is. And in fact, for a long time back at the beginning, it is one of the reasons why we became a facility with the results and teenagers is what we began to use. I'm going to say a very bastardized version of what skip teaches to the kids and it was very effective they loved the meditative process Mm -hmm. through the journey so folks with this we're going to wrapping around to the end until skip and i speak the next time you can find skip at MeditationPrescription.com and skip is also involved in the journey process uh skip what is the october dates here in 2017 of of your next one in colorado
1: yeah it's going to be between denver and boulder in a small town called lafayette And it's October 14th, 15th is a Saturday and Sunday. And then we have a third day for those people who want to really dive deep, learn the skills for themselves, for their kids, for their friends, family. That'll be the 16th. So it's the 14th through the 16th. And it's a really powerful awakening and healing process of uh, clearing away the past. And if anybody's interested, the best website to find me on is skiplackey.com, L-A-C-K-E-Y. And my email is skip at skiplackey.com if anybody's interested and you have questions. Happy to enter into a conversation with you about any of this and support you in any way I can because I've been there and have had a lot of people who have helped support me through the years. So I like to return the favor.
0: Awesome. So we got skip at skiplackey.com is his email address. You got a lot of places. You can find him on Facebook. I know that I connect with him on Facebook for the dads out there listening. I want to reiterate and say once again, be brutally honest with what's really going on. And, and you know what, what we mean by that. There are some things you've got to take ownership of. This also means that there are things that have happened that extend beyond your lifetime, and it, it runs deep in our psyche. Physiology first, you got to get your body back. You you get your butt to the gym, get it outside and you will notice the change that as your body changes, your mind's going to change. They said in Platoon, there was a line that said, free your mind and your ass will follow. I say free your ass and your mind will follow. And then the meditative piece, quieting that mind, developing your emotional intelligence Let your kids know they're unconditionally loved. Don't talk bad about your ex. Don't send money or messages through them and get that body in motion with your kids. You have an opportunity to develop a new relationship with your kids based on how you think you should do things. Skip, I'm using this as an opportunity for you and I to to grow closer, get reacquainted, and spend more time together because it's been a long while. You and I have both gone through some major changes in our life. So I'm using this as uh, an opportunity to set up a mandate with you so we can re- <laughs> reignite our bromance and, uh, and do some more work together. This really reminded me how simpatico we are. And so uh, I'd love to spend more time with you, and uh, I will do my part to make that happen.
1: Yeah, I look forward to it, brother. You know, yeah, this has been awesome. And as always, anytime, you know, I learn from hearing what your perspective is. And and thank you so much for sharing and, and actually recapping and bringing focus around to what's really important. Thank you so much.
0: It's my pleasure. Folks, as always, I want to thank Emily, the engineer. I want to thank Maggie and I want to thank our boss goddess at Mental Health News Radio. I want to thank Kristen Walker. She's amazing and what she's put together this opportunity to remind everybody that mental health affects us all. And to the people listening to my podcast, here's our mantra. You take care of yourself first. You take care of your adult relationship second. You take care of the children third because in that way we do our best work for the children. This is Aaron Huey and Beyond Risk and back. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk again. Thank you for joining us at Beyond Risk and Back. Support for parents, clinicians, and teachers. Join us at beyondriskandback.com. You can download past episodes there. Visit Fire Mountain Residential Treatment Center's website for information, support, and continuing education trainings for parents and professionals at www.firemountainprograms.com. You can also connect with me directly on Facebook by searching at Beyond Risk and Back. You can also follow me on Twitter, catch me on YouTube, and join me here every week for another podcast. This is Aaron Huey saying, remember, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work for the children. Thank you for listening, and we will talk again soon.